Hello, welcome to the Podcast Club. I'm Ethan Lee, president of the Podcast Club, and I am joined here by a special guest, Mr. Ken Shar. Hi, Ethan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So on today's podcast, we are going to talk about death in classical music. So um, we both brought in, we both each brought in a piece that we'd like to talk about. So Mr. K, which piece would you like to start with? Uh, my piece is a uh, shortish piano concerto by uh, the Hungarian composer Franz Liszt. It's known as the Totentanz. Okay. Tell me about it. It's basically uh, centered around the theme of the Dies Irae. And if you don't know what the Dies Irae is, um, you haven't been watching much horror music. <laughs> I, I, not horror music. Um, you haven't been watching very many horror films. The Dies Irae, and I'm and I'm lifting this directly from Wikipedia, so I sound intelligent. Uh, the Dies Irae is a Latin sequence attributed to Thomas of Solano of the Franciscans or uh, a few other, you know, Gregorian-type guys. And this Gregorian chant is best known as the music that the Catholic Church used for centuries as the funeral mass music. Uh, so it got a connotation about it of death or hell or stuff like that because the translation of Dies Irae is, and again, I'm reading directly from Wikipedia so I sound all uh, intelligent, that, the day of wrath, that day will dissolve the world in ashes, David being witness along with the Sibyl. How great will be the quaking when the judge is about to come, strictly investigating all things. The trumpet scattering a wondrous sound through the sepulchres of the regions will summer all before the throne. Death and nature will marvel when the creature will rise again to respond to the judge. And it goes on. It goes so on, and on. We'll play a, a clip yeah. of that, right? We'll play a little clip of that right now. This Dies Irae has actually been quoted in quite a few works, not just the Totentons. Tons and tons of works by tons and tons of composers across the ages and tons of genres. And uh, Dies Irae makes me think that death metal was actually invented before amplification or guitars or... I'm actually curious if Dies Irae ever, ever showed up in like death metal. That but, actually, that's a good Google search. But anyways, for Dies Irae, it's, also, it's probably one of the most famous motifs in classical music, would you agree? I would say so. Yeah. So, like, in the Totentanz, it shows up quite often. So uh, the Totentanz, it's all over the place. Um, classical music very often will take a melody and uh, announce it, maybe in one group of instruments, bring it back in a different group of instruments, um, change keys and then play the same thing. Start minor and then go major. Start major and then go minor. Um, after they do that for a little while, they might 
cut it up into little snippets so that only the snippets are uh, presented. Um, there's tons of stuff that uh, composers, again, of all genres do with this idea of motif. John Williams does it a ton of times in Star Wars. Um, everybody's got a different little motif by which you recognize them musically. Right. So here is the Dies Irae in the Totentons. Sounds great. Uh, so obviously, you know that I'm a pianist, so I'm going to be really impressed and drift towards this kind of music where there's such piano pyrotechnics. Um, <laughs> a lot of aficionados of classical music consider this to be Franz Liszt's writing at his absolute trashiest. Uh, this is considered by some to be kind of garbage classical music, and I love it. It's awesome. I actually personally really like the opening, which actually opens the podcast for us because the opening is just really powerful. Yeah. And I don't know, it's really attention grabbing. You know, I really like it. Yeah. It yeah, I think it's really cool. Nothing <laughs> but those big dissonant chords in the piano, and then the low brass comes in. It's like the demons are coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then. Nobody thinks of classical music like that. Yeah, okay. yeah, oh, classical music is like, oh, oh I Mozart. like classical music, it puts me to sleep at night. Not this classical music. Yeah, no, classical music is different everywhere. Speaking of it being different everywhere, there's also, I brought in a piece called The Dance Macabre by Science Songs, which isn't, a, isn't nearly as like heavy, heavy as the Totentons, but it literally translates to the dance of death. So here's a little snippet of it. So in that last part, they actually played the Dies Irae, which, again, huge motif in classical music. But also, actually, one thing that I want to talk about is how the violin strings are actually detuned. So 
basically the E string, which is normally the highest string, it's detunes to become an E flat rather than regular just E, because they want the when you play the A and the E flat together, it creates a tritone, which is also kind of known as like the devil's the devil's tone. interval. Yeah, devil's interval. It sounds sounds pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds pretty bad, but or not bad, but it sounds like. It was supposed to sound bad. Yeah, it sounds bad, but in like a good way. But like you guys heard it in the beginning when I played that. But I think, yeah, it's purposely detuned to sound, to get a certain sound. Rather than playing it a different way, they just tune their strings differently to sound a certain way, which I think is really cool. And it's pretty specific only to Dunce Macabre that I know of, even though there are probably plenty of other pieces that have this detuning. Like, for example, in like the Baroque times, they had a different tuning. But for most pieces that at least I know in my common repertoire, Don's Macabre is the only one that really detunes the violin. So I think that's pretty interesting. It's, I love exploring um, where classical music intersects with other art forms, um, with visual art, with, um, with poetry. And um, the Dance Macabre has a connection to poetry, doesn't it? It does. So there's actually a poem by Henry Cazales, who, I don't know, basically he made a poem about Dance Macabre, and it goes like this. So it goes, zig, 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 death and cadence, striking with his heel a tomb. Death at midnight plays a dance tune, zig, 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 on his violin. And then it kind of goes on and on. And basically, I think it kind of really sets, like, an eerie tone for the piece itself, like death and cadence, zig, zig, like on his violin. And I think the violin's actually really special for this piece because the violin gives kind of an eerie, I guess, tone. It It isn't as, I guess, solid. Like the tones aren't as solid. It's more like, like in the higher register, it just feels, <coughs> it just feels, I guess, more fragile. And that's what makes it really eerie and like really almost scary. To me, it almost seems like um, uh, in comparison with the Liszt piece, the piano concerto, um, death is kind of like this cajoling kind of, uh, I don't know, charismatic figure playing his violin out in the, in the graveyard in the middle of the night, and he's almost beckoning you, seducing you to the, the dark world. Um, but it's just as dark in its own way. I guess that makes sense, because actually, according to legend, death appears at midnight every Halloween, and he basically calls forth the rest of the dead to dance for him while he plays the violin. And that piece that he's supposed to play is the Dance Macabre. I thought Sansa. classical music was supposed to be nice and, and, and <laughs> respectful and sweet and, you know, it helps put you to bed at night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no. I love this stuff. Yeah. And then, so here's another, here's another part of the Dance Macabre that I actually want to talk about.
So that was actually towards the end of the piece. And so one of the big parts of it, obviously, you hear the flute play by itself, just like kind of randomly almost. That almost. I, I love how both these pieces of music are so descriptive. Um, of co course, the Totentanz, the Liszt piece, um, is more just pedal to the metal. Um, right. uh, and uh, it just it showcases the piano like crazy. But in the... Uh, we never mentioned who wrote the Danse Macabre. It's a French guy named Camille Saint-Saëns. Yeah. Um, and when he was uh, inspired by the Cazales poem to write this piece of music, he really wanted to tell the story just through music. And the beginning, if you listen to the whole thing, from the beginning you hear 12 plucks from the harp signifying the strike of midnight. So death comes out and starts having a party, and playing his violin, calling the ghosts and goblins out and the, the skeletons out of their graves. Yeah. And it goes through this whole, um, uh, this whole situation where they're having fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at the very end, there's a buildup. It gets big and huge and suddenly a big dissonant chord. And then you hear the oboe, um, cry out like a rooster announcing the arrival of the sun and uh, then da, after da, that da, 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 yeah. whatever key it's in yeah. <laughs> we probably just sing it really bad um, <laughs> uh, judge me on my piano playing not my singing um, but then after uh, the sun is about to appear Everything coming out of the violin is sad and forlorn. It's like he's saying, oh, guys, the pop party's over. Got to get back in your graves. <laughs> Got to go back to whatever dark place you came from. It's time to go. Um, it's, it's amazing how notes can tell a story when they come from the pen of a good composer. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I guess that's almost kind of the tradition of Halloween, just like in the night, everything gets scary. Yeah. And when the sun comes up, it's like, oh, it's uh, we gotta go home. Party's <laughs> but, over. Yeah. Speaking of which, I think the party might be over here. No? Ah, uh, this was fun. Yeah, this was fun. You know, we can probably talk about this more. I think it's about time we wrap this up. So, thank you for tuning in to the TMS Podcast Club. Thank you, Mr. K, for coming in. Thanks for having me. Of course. And then, well, thank you for listening. Have a nice day.